The Abortion Recovery Network podcast will become Lead with Purpose podcast in January 2024. The content of the show will remain the same. We are group leaders helping group leaders with abortion recovery ministry through informal and casual conversations. Your hosts are Linda Keener-Thomas, founder and board chair of the National Memorial for the Unborn, and Mindy Lefeshore, founder of an Even Place virtual abortion recovery ministry. This is a podcast of leaders, by leaders, and for leaders from all over to share experiences, ideas, challenges, joys, and learn from one another while doing your laundry, cooking dinner, or driving in your car. Our desire is to allow you to enter our conversations with other abortion recovery leaders, learn the nuts and bolts of how they lead their groups, and connect with one another to build a strong network of leaders, helping leaders reach the millions suffering with an abortion experience. Today, we are here with Serena Dykeson. Linda and I are your hosts again today, and we are so excited. Serena, Serena is with shefoundhisgrace.org, but is your name just She Found His Grace? Yep, it's just She Found His Grace. Okay, and yep. you're doing mostly virtual groups or some in person? So it's uh, a funny season for us. Okay. We started out strictly online and then um our our men's program launched and that was completely in person and now we're in a season where it is in-house for the women and online for the men so (laughs) figure it out that's great that's great well serena i'm just going to give you the floor i want you to tell us a little bit about your story and then how because i know it's going to go together how she found his grace got started yes so um, I grew up in a pretty, um, pretty poor home, dysfunctional home, and um, just a lot of things. Um, you know, my parents came from brokenness, and um, I just remember my mom just kind of being the mom that says, "We stay away from certain people; we don't get around them," but never really telling me why that was the case. And um, what ended up happening was when I was thirteen. Um, I was sexually assaulted by a relative and that resulted in an unplanned pregnancy. Um, My parents uh, came to my middle school and took me to a doctor's appointment. And um, I heard the word abortion for the first time. I had never heard that word before. And um, I just remember my mom saying that that's what we would do. Um, and so I was taken to a clinic, um, not too far from my house. And I remember them saying so clearly, um, this is what I do remember them saying, there's people outside that hate you walking quickly. And I had no idea what they were talking about. I had no idea. I remember my mom just responding uh, and saying, they don't understand what we're going through. And still at 13, I am clueless to what's about ready to happen. Um, And I was taken to this abortion clinic. I was separated from my parents and told that it was just a clump of cells still not knowing what what was about ready to happen. And um, what happened that day uh, changed our lives forever. I think if my parents would have actually known the trauma that was going to happen, I think that a different choice would have been made. Um, I we, we left that clinic. We wanted to forget what happened. Um, and then a few years later, I was... Um, 16 and Planned Parenthood had just come into 
our conservative school and um, gave the talk over sex ed. And so I found myself facing an unplanned pregnancy and we ended up at Planned Parenthood still pretty naive to what abortion was. Um, or I shouldn't say abortion, I should say Planned Parenthood, what they really stood for. Um, and when we got to Planned Parenthood, they said, you're young, you're poor, you're in school, and you should abort your baby. And at 13, I didn't know what abortion was. And when I learned what abortion was, I was devastated. And um, what I ended up doing is I went out to my car, my boyfriend's car at the time, and I shared uh, what they had said. And I shared my story for the first time with him. And he, he said, I don't know how we're going to figure it out, but we'll figure it out. And we chose life that day in the parking lot of Planned Parenthood. Um, we were so blessed to have church members come around us. Um, they didn't let us sit in our sin, but what they did was they helped us um, with parenting skills. They helped us learn how to budget. They, they helped us um, finish high school. And uh, we were able to get married. Um, we had a beautiful baby girl. Um, when she was three months old, we got married. Um, my husband, uh, our wedding was at 10 o'clock in the morning and my husband graduated high school that night. Um, I don't recommend that, but when you're young, you do crazy things. And so we got married and by the time we were 23, we had two little kids. We bought our first house and we thought we are beating the odds and we are doing fan fantastic. Um, but what ended up happening was I had a miscarriage and I didn't realize at the time that I was struggling with a double grief. And um, my husband and I began to have marriage issues. Um, he became a villain to me pretty quickly um, just because I was so broken and I was so much in my grief. Um, and we started to have marriage issues. Um, a couple of years after that, um, my ovary ruptured and I nearly died. And then by the time I was 29, I had to have a complete hysterectomy. And what we know now was that was a result of the abortion, but we had no idea why we were going through all of this. And so by the time I hit middle school, uh, by the time my kids hit middle school, um, I was really struggling to feel like I was worthy to be a mother and a wife. And so I decided um, that I was going to move out of our house and I was going to just bless my husband out. Um, I was going to file for a divorce. He could get a better wife. My kids deserved a better mother. And um, I really started to party. I really started to, I started to use drugs. I surrounded myself with people that were just not good for me. Um, and then there was just one particular night um, that I started to text people to come and get me. And after a while, those 3 a.m. phone calls and texts are not funny anymore. And really, people were over it. And uh, it felt like the worst night of my life. Um, but it turned out to be the best night of my life because I got into my car and that night I just was so broken and I was so alone. Um, and I just remember just saying, God, I have no one but you right now. 
And what I love is that God saw me as a post-abortive, high and drunk woman, and he lavished me in a love that I'll never forget in my life. And it was at that moment that I knew that I needed to go home both spiritually and physically. And uh, by God's grace, I made it home. And I, I got out of my car and I went to the door and I knew um, I did not deserve for my husband to welcome me back into the doors. I did not deserve that at all. And yet God was working on his heart and he welcomed me in and we knew that we needed to start healing. And at that particular time, finance, financially, we didn't have a ton of money, but I just remember my husband saying, this is a priority. This is what we're going to do. We're going to cut our budget. We're going to do whatever we need to do to make this happen. And so I started going to counseling, but the interesting part about it is I talked about my sexual assault, but I would not bring up my abortion because my counselor went to my church and I thought, man, if he knows my full story, he's going to go back to the church and he's going to tell people in my church. And um, what I now know um, is that that was not the truth. That was a lie that I that the enemy had planted in my head. Um, but I didn't know that. And that was a real fear for me. Um, and so I, I got healing for my sexual assault. And I felt like I had just had so much healing. I felt like, man, you know, because particularly I think with my story, we always hear um, that the rape is so much worse than the abortion. Um, but that was not the case because for me, um, I, you know, I couldn't help what someone did to me, but to know that I was part of ending a life that did not deserve to be ended was devastating to me. I had always wanted to be a mother and, you know, and that's just really where my heart was. We, we longed to be mothers. And so, um, and so I, you know, I went through the counseling. I felt like I found healing and I, God was doing, restoring our, our marriage. There was one particular day that I was at home and I was still dealing with bitterness and I remember the Lord just meeting me um, in, Lamenta in Lamentations 358. And I heard the Lord say, did I pull you from the pit? Did I redeem your life? And I knew that God had done that, but I was still so angry. I was angry at my rapist. I was angry at my parents. And I just heard the Lord say, why don't you get out of the way and let me do what I'm going to do? And it was at that moment that I made the decision that I was going to forgive. It was also on that day that um, I I was still drinking about a bottle of wine every day. And I went into my kitchen to pick up that wine bottle and I couldn't do it. God had done such a mighty work on that on that day. And that was the last that was the last time that I um, had wine like like I was drinking. Um, and so um, we, you know, I decided at that moment I was going to surrender my bitterness and my forgiveness and choose forgiveness. And um, and uh, the Lord, I felt like the Lord had just done such a mighty work. Um, I was serving in my church. Um, and then what happened was um, 
someone invited me to see the movie Unplanned and I didn't know what that movie was about. And I went to the movie theater and what ended up happening was um, it was like my life unfolded in front of my eyeballs. And uh, I heard the Lord say, now's the time to tell the rest of your story. And I was like, well, where do you even tell this story? And I remember reaching out to my local right to life, sharing my story. And really my heart was, I wanted to go to abortion clinics and help other women choose life. And they said, well, why don't you come to the sidewalk training? I said, sure. And I went to the sidewalk training and what ended up happening was uh, the sweet sister said, have you ever gone through healing for your abortion? Now. I eye rolled her because I was good. <laughs> I thought it was good. Yep. Um, and once again, the Lord met me again and said, how do you expect to help others if you're not willing to go there yourself? And so I went and it changed my life. Um, for the first time, I felt like I was allowed to grieve my child. I wasn't able to name my child Eliana Grace. Um, what I didn't know was that my story was about ready to hit national news and God was going to use that to prepare me for what he had in store for me. And so um, I am just praising the Lord for that healing. And I know sometimes it seems like really, really scary to start abortion recovery, but I tell you what, I, um, I, she found his grace was never on my radar. It was really God's hand in it. And, um, as my story hit national news, we had men and women reaching out from all over the world, looking for healing. And we're like, well, it looks like God has a call for us. And so that's how we started. She found his grace abortion recovery. Wow. What a great, great story, Serena. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. all of that with us. And I'm just curious, um, what, how, how many years was it from when you were 13 and had your abortion to when you started your healing journey? Yeah. So it was about 30 years, 30. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. It was like, yeah, it took a long time for the healing because it was never on my radar mm -hmm. that that was even something that I should address because it's always the topic of the sexual abuse, but never uh, about abortion. And especially in my, with my story of being 13 and, um, sexual assault, it's always the sexual assault is the, the trauma. Um, and so I, we just didn't know. Yeah. You know, and you, you said earlier, you said rape was worse than abortion for you. Um, and I, I just want to concur on that point. I was, um, also raped by somebody that I knew not family, um, years ago. And I didn't get pregnant out of that. It was after that, that I would um, get pregnant by a different man and have an abortion. And I, I always, it, it's, I always tell people because it's so true. It took me a lot longer to get over abortion than it did rape. Rape was a one-time event abortion and it's traumatic and it's, um, and I don't want to dismiss it as something insignificant because it's certainly significant and it takes a toll on your emotions and your heart and it just changes you completely. Mm -hmm. Um, and I struggled with that, um, for many, many years, but the abortion is something that hits you at an even deeper level because we are uniquely created to have children as women mm -hmm. by God. Yep. 
That's and it's it. interesting too with her with you being 13, Serena. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like you really sought out an abortion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you were yeah. you weren't tied down, forced into it. But what 13-year-old whose mother says you're right. going to this doctor and this is what's mm-hmm. gonna happen has any choice in it. So you really didn't have a choice, and yet mm-hmm. still you felt like mm-hmm. it was yeah. more traumatic because what you you had made mm-hmm. do you feel like you made the decision? No, I had no idea. All you know, for me, it, it was like getting re-traumatized by an older man that I didn't the doctor. know. Yeah, yep. yes. and 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 um, you know, abortion is horrific. It's mm-hmm. it's so horrific, and without traumatizing people with talking about what happened, but um, you know, I that was awful. Um, what I had to go through. And I just remember the abortionist um, just telling me to shut up. There was no Mm -hmm. care. There was no, there was nothing. And then my dad had to carry me out of that clinic. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was, you know, my parents were traumatized just as much as I was. um, And they thought they were doing the right thing. And so if you would, you still felt like you had some personal responsibility in it though. That's Mm -hmm. why it was hard to get over. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I learned what abortion was, I was like, oh my goodness. And I think going through healing, what I learned through abortion, um, healing was, um, I didn't think I had a voice then. And, um, what I've learned is I do have a voice and I didn't know that then. Um, but I do now. And, um, you know, I just, kind of went along with what, um, the adults in my life thought I needed to do. And I didn't ask questions because I trusted people. And I think that was very healing and empowering for me to recognize like, man, I did have a voice and I just didn't know I had a voice then. Mm -hmm. So as we're considering our listeners, our other abortion recovery group leaders, ministry Mm -hmm. leaders, workers, um, and this comes up, you know, people come to the groups and they're like, I didn't have a choice. My parents made me, and you know, whatever the situation was like that, they were young and they believed their parents. Mm-hmm. How do you recommend talking to a woman in that fashion who says, you know what, I just, they feel bad. Obviously they're, they're struggling with all the emotion that abortion brings because there's, you know, abortion isn't just like this linear thing. There's like a whole bunch of things that happen to us, you know, when we have an abortion, obviously, but as leaders, how would you recommend leaders approach a woman like that? Um, because at some point, I don't know what study you use, but we use forgiven and set free and forgiven and set free, um, talks a lot about our responsibility through it. And so how do you recommend leaders, um, lead that woman? Mm -hmm. What's the best gentle approach we can take? Right. Yeah, there as a leader, you know, we're always asking perspective questions to get them to that place of like, ah, that's where I did have responsibility. That's where I could have, um, where I could have made a, a different decision. Um, and, you know, recognizing, you know, if we're walking uh, women and men through a biblical study, the word's very clear that, you know, about, uh, being, you know, we're not a victim, we're victorious, you know, and we want to be victorious. But we just ask a lot of questions to get them to that place of like, 
this is what I could have done different. I might not have been in control of this, but this is what I was in control of. And um, it's a lot of asking questions and them sitting and reflecting. Um, and don't be surprised if they get mad. <laughs> um, and that's okay. As leaders, we have to be able to step back and be like, okay, they're going to spray on us because this is really hard stuff, but we just hang with them because at the end of the day, they know how much we love them. And when they finally, when it finally clicks with them and they get that freedom, it is so empowering to them. And that's where the freedom happens. That's awesome. So give us an example, if you don't mind, of some of those questions, what that conversation could look like. And I'm putting oh, you on the spot and you just so everybody totally. knows, because this is not in our um, prescribed uh, no. questions. I gave her a list and this is not in it, but no, ma'am. <laughs> and we I also did I say, just, I... might go down a trail. <laughs> yep. We here did we say we were going to go in flow. So here we go. <laughs> um, so for example, um, we, I'm trying to think, okay, so we, you know, we had someone, oftentimes when we have someone that's so angry with their parents and, it, and you know, they are just putting all this blame on their parents, um, we will just ask them questions such as, um, well, what, what do you think you could have done at that moment? And as they start unpacking those, those um, questions or what lie did you believe? You know, a lot of times, well, abortion is, fear-based, right? And so they fear judgment. They fear they're going to get kicked out. They fear all of these things. And so as we start asking these questions and they start actually putting that the pieces together, it's like, oh, you know what? They might've said that, but you know what? Looking back, that probably wouldn't have been the case, but I needed to, they need to process that. And and just recognizing like, hey, yeah, I was really scared and I felt like I couldn't use my voice. I couldn't say no, I couldn't do all of these things, but you know what, now that I'm pulling back and I'm looking at the bigger picture, um, there was probably an out that I had. And so it's just asking those questions of, of whatever the angle, whatever the story is. Um, you know, I think a lot of times as leaders, sometimes we talk a lot more than what we listen and we need to ask a question and be quiet and let Holy Spirit meet them in that moment and let them process and and not be um, uncomfortable with the silence. It's okay if it's silent. Yes. Great point. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. That's something that in coaching I've been learning a lot about. And it's true. Our culture, we are so inundated with noise, whether it's worship yeah. music or a YouTube playing or a mo movie or, you know, whatever it is, or somebody's talking mm -hmm. that when it's silent, we begin our brain, well, mm -hmm. at least my brain, it begins to think, well, okay, what did I just say that was wrong? Or if I don't speak up, y'all never get to speak, you know, so we're trying to mm -hmm. fill that void, or maybe I need yeah. to say something to calm that person down or, you know, and, mm -hmm. and maybe we don't, maybe we just need to just let them process and think through how they're going to answer. That's it. And, and we don't have to be a rescuer, like let the Lord do what the Lord does best. Right. And yes. so I think sometimes we're like, oh, well, it's quiet and they're uncomfortable and I should, nope, just it, what a way for the Lord 
to speak into their hearts. And that's the thing. um, That's when those are the moments when we can say, man, God met me in that moment. And this is how it changed my, my healing process. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is, is a well-placed question or a well-asked question mm-hmm. will continue to process in their brains after the group. Yep. So they'll absolutely. continue to think about it and to learn from that and to think and process after a group is over, which continues mm-hmm. the healing, which is really beneficial for them. That's what we want. Yes. Amen. Okay. Well, let's get back on script a little bit. I don't want to <laughs> keep you in there too long. Um, I want you to, if you don't mind, I'd love you to talk about the two phases of healing that are part Mm -hmm. of She Found His Grace, what that looks like. Yeah. So we have decided as a ministry, we just see that this is such a deep wound that we felt like we needed to go deeper. Um, And so we have really taken on a model of a discipleship um, model. And um, so for us, we we walk them through the forgiveness. We walk them through the healing part of it, naming their child memorial service. But then afterwards, what do we do with that? How do we turn our pain into purpose? What do we do with that? And so really our heart is to see men and women to walk into that freedom and be able to use it, um, you know, and not sit in that silence and that fear any longer. And so we come up with a really good plan of, of how, how we turn this in a, into a purpose. How, how do we get in healthy rhythms? How do we, how do we um, not go back to some of our old patterns? And so we dig deep, we journey along and um, we are seeing great fruit in all of that. So um, that's our approach. And um you know, we have a land that needs to heal and we need some mighty warriors that are going to um, journey along with women and men, but also to be able to say, you know what, the my abortion doesn't define me. That's not who I am. Yeah. Um, that's part of my story, but that is not what defines me. That's really good. That's wonderful. So how long is your program? Um, so our first phase is, you're going to ask me, (laughs) um, our first phase I think is 12 weeks and then the second is 10. Okay. And then what happens after that, after phase two? Yeah. So after phase two, we try to work really hard at building community. And so we have, um, private group that we do. Um, and then we also do missions. We love to, be able to go on the mission field and the mission field is going back to the abortion clinics. And so we have women and men that around the country that we gather and we will um, go to an abortion clinic and we share stories out, out front of abortion clinic. And that's our focus to love on people and to share our, our testimony, we work really hard on our testimony. And I'll tell you what, it changes things, um, because they're hearing the truth. So we have women that, um, will change their minds and, uh, we've had workers quit before and it is powerful. It is powerful. And so, um, we're just thankful that we're able to do that. That is fascinating, Serena. I just came out of a workshop at a, at a uh, Christian counselor's convention on grieving. Mm-hmm. 
not mm-hmm. on this subject specifically, but on grieving. And one of the points she made that really set this whole thing, it's interesting that, that you would say that today, um, she was talking about going back to the place mm-hmm. where, where a person died or something like that and the power of healing in returning to that mm-hmm. painful place and I wondered when I sat in that convention I wondered if that applied to our abortion recovery work and here you're talking about that so is that actually healing for some people to actually go back mm-hmm. to that clinic it is it is so what we found is it's super empowering and for some people that it might be um, cause I work really hard to prepare people to go back, but, um, we did have an incident where it was, um, it, it stretched us, it stretched us as a team, um, because you can't always prepare for every little thing, but what God did in that moment, um, the question got asked, where was God at that abortion clinic? And I tell you what, um, God answered that very, very clearly, um, because one of our teammates was struggling. Um, that was their first time going back to the abortion clinic. And they're like, I have a hard time believing that God could be at this place. And so uh, our teammate got challenged a little bit with the question of where was God? And so he actually asked, he's like, God, where were you when she went into that abortion clinic? Where were you? And God just met him in such a powerful way that he was there and he, he was with her in, you know, he, he was, he was with his, his ex-wife and he was with the, the baby and, and it was healing. It was very, very healing. And actually, um, that moment was used for, um, really drawing a line in the sand and knowing the calling on his life in abortion recovery. Wow. You know, that's just really amazing. Um, I'm curious as, as I'm just thinking about everything you just said, you said you work really hard to prepare people to go Mm -hmm. back. Are they, they're not necessarily going back to their clinic that they've not necessarily, Mm -mm. but what's that preparation look like? What are you doing? Uh, It's a lot of prayer. It's a lot of being honest of what, um, happened, what I've seen outside of clinics, um, the conversations that might happen and just really pouring into people of like, it's a very heavy, spiritually heavy, um, place to go back to. And, um, you know, we want people to be prepared for that. Um, and also just the reminder of like, Hey, we get to bring Jesus back to that place. We get to bring our stories and the truth and, um, and so that's, that's what we, that's how we prepare and, um, you know, uh, doing a debrief, we, uh, debrief afterwards. Um, and, you know, I think particularly for Philly, for us, uh, we brought in a care team. Um, we had someone that walked along with us as a care team and just, you know, we needed some extra debriefing and it was beautiful and it was empowering. And, um, I think we can all say we don't regret going at the time. It, it felt like we're, we weren't sure exactly what the Lord was doing, but now we, we know that the Lord was growing us even more, uh, for mission. And, um, 
He planted us at that clinic for such a time as this. Um, it was really hard what we had to see, but God is using it for his glory. So, right. So how many different, um, where have you been? What clinics have you gone to around the nation? What clinics have I been to? I have been to, I'm trying to think, um, we go, so obviously my local one, I, I take that when, when we had it open, I would take people. I was pretty faithful there. We've been to Philly. We've been to Jackson, um, Jackson, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A really cool story about that. If you want to hear it. Yeah. Tell us. It was, it was just really the Lord. Um, so the Lord just really gave me a dream and I wasn't sure what this dream was. I journaled it and, um, put a date down and it was Jackson was the clinic that, um, when Roe overturned, that was part of that clinic. Um, for that one to be closing. And so um, out of obedience of just a dream that the Lord gave me, uh, we had women from all over the country fly into Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, I think that we have about 30 women with us, I think. Wow. I don't know. It was quite a, a big number. And uh, we shared our testimonies and we saw God move in a powerful way. And then shortly after that, the clinic was closed. So it was pretty awesome. That is cool. That is cool mm-hmm. to be a part of that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so where else have you been in the United States? Uh, I think as, as a group, those are the ones we've gone to as a team, as a team. Okay. Those are, those did you are, say you yeah, went so... to DC when we talked before? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We okay. have been to DC. That's Thank what I you thought. For... All right. I feel like I'm on the road all the time. So. <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, um, I'm thinking about the, the people who are listening and, um, maybe have never considered, oh, a mission trip to, you know, mm-hmm. outside, uh, Planned Parenthood and to pray mm-hmm. and everything, but what do I do and how do I do that? So, um, mm-hmm. would you be open to them contacting you if anybody's interested when they're hearing about how to start that in their Absolute- area? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you're always welcome to join us. Like it's not just she found his grace abortion recovery It is abortion recovery leaders across the country that are coming together because we just feel like, you know, that unity in the church and as uh, abortion recovery leaders, like it's just powerful for us together on that front to go back and, and, um, do that together. It, it, you know, I, those, those moments have bonded, uh, friendships that I will cherish forever. Sweet. Okay. So everybody, you know, who to contact Serena Dykeson, her yeah. email will be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Serena, I just want to ask you one other question. What makes your program so successful? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. (laughs) I'm going to give glory where glory is due. Um, And I, I say that we giggle, but honest to goodness, like that is what changes us, right? Jesus changes us. He's the one that heals us. He's the one that restores us. And, um, you know, and so that, that is what, I mean, we, we get to facilitate, but is Jesus that does the deep work with, with the men and women. And so I will always give him glory for what he has done. We just give him our yes, but, um, I, 
you know, that's what transforms lives. He's what transforms lives. And, and so that's, that's always going to be my answer. That's amazing. I'd love to ask you just a little bit more too about your, you have the 12 week initial healing program and then the Mm -hmm. 10 week. Um, What kind of curriculums do you use? Um, Mm -hmm. What are you doing for those? Yeah. So Currently we're using, um, forgiven and set free. And then we have, and then we have another curriculum. Um, it's, uh, uh, nothing is wasted. Um, but we are in the process of writing our own. Um, so we, uh, we have, yeah, so we're going to be launching our own curriculum. Um, we love both of those, but we just have our own little, um, teaching and flair that we put with our our stuff so that's the direction she found us grace is heading that sounds great that sounds great Mm -hmm. yeah linda do you got any more questions about that well i was wondering um on your virtual i know for a lot of us we are just uh, of course mindy's doing virtual groups now and um i'm going to be starting with her my first one on my own um next week so i'm so excited i was i was a skeptic i was one of the skeptics like you know after having done (laughs) in-person groups for 20 plus years you know i was like how is this going to work but um, i'm really excited because it Mm -hmm. it is amazing what happens Mm -hmm. um are you seeing a lot of response to your virtual group? Where are your, your contacts coming from? Uh, all over the world. Yes. So wow. here's what we have discovered. Um, when we started She Found This Grace, it was in 2020 when the world shut down and we started having, I, I was, I was flooded. And so I reached out to a friend and I said, I don't even know what this looks like, but let's, let's give it a whirl. I, I I don't know. There's just people that are hurting. What can we do? And so we started online and, um, it would, it's been amazing because here's what, what we found. We would love to have it in person. You know, that's fantastic. But, um, we've had women who they're not going to the pregnancy centers because, um, they'll just say, it reminds me of what I don't have. And that hurts. Um, and so we, we found that what they're looking for is a safe place for just the abortion healing. And so, um, the, the screen gives them a little bit of safety. It feels a little safe. They're in the comfort of their home. And the goal is once you get them past that screen and you've built up trust in your friends and your, they have trusted you. They're walking in their healing. Then we start to meet in person. Um, and, and we've seen that where, um, we just had our, um, gala over the weekend and it, we have women and men travel from other States to attend because they have just been so impacted by, going through the healing. And so, um, you know, and we're going to be lifetime friends. That's just how it is, right? Like we say we're family and we work really hard at building that culture. Um, you know, she found his grace and he found his grace is super hard. We have accountability. They have to turn in their work each week. Um, and we, we do a lot of deep diving, but at the end of the day, um, we will all look at each other and it's like, 
we're a big family across the world and we're so thankful for, for what God's doing. That's wonderful. I love what God's doing. And I've loved that we've been able to connect and talk and have you on today because we are nearing the end of our time today. And, um, we didn't even touch, um, well, we may have briefly touched, (laughs) um, little aspects of the questions. So, um, Anyway, there's a lot more that we can learn from you and hear from you and glean. And, um, and that's the purpose, right? Of this podcast Mm -hmm. is so that we can glean from each other. You know, none of us has one, um, way that is, um, the, the ultimate end all way, you know, we're all doing it differently, but we can learn. Linda and I just went through a training with, um, Sarah Loy. She's out of Massachusetts and she does abortion Mm -hmm. recovery. And it was a great training on, um, forgiven and set free. You know, mm-hmm. we learned, we brought, we were both taking up lots and, of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was great. So, a lot of great mm-hmm. ideas that we haven't heard before. And so mm-hmm. there's just so many different, like you said, flares and way to do it mm-hmm. that, um, I mean, how exciting that we can then have all this stuff in our tool belt. Okay. I'm tired of kind of tired of wearing this, this way out, you know, let's pull in right. this way a little bit and, and just freshen it up and, and get yeah. excited about doing ministry again. So that's, and thank and you that's for it. your time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we should be able to link arms and learn and grow. And, you know, we're not created to be on an island. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah. Well, Linda, do you have anything in closing? Um, well, just totally off the cuff again, since we've been doing that's that okay. this time. <laughs> Serena, what do you enjoy doing to unwind? Oh, is is there such a thing? No. <laughs> Uh-oh. We need no. to do one on burnout now. <laughs> you know what? No, I I love I love uh, getting a good book, and I love Bible journaling. Um, that is one of my favorite things with a hot cup of coffee, and I have all the colors, and I have my Bible, and I I'm not very good at drawing, but I like to do it anyway. Um, but it's just such a beautiful time with the Lord and, uh, something that I look forward to doing. Thank you. And thank you so much for sharing with us. It's been a delight to meet you. So good. Yes. We hope a lot of our listeners will connect with you and, um, we appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Serena.